0: April 13th, as we turn now to the New Testament, our reading today will be in the book of Luke, chapter 16. Here's what's uh, going on in this chapter. The subject is money, and the object is to teach us the proper place of money. It teaches us that we can waste money. Stewards should use wealth for their master's good and not for their own pleasure. God wants us to enjoy His gifts. But he also wants us to employ them wisely. And uh, we will learn that we can serve God with money. The man had a rude awakening. He had to give an account of his stewardship, we'll learn. And then he learned to be wise and to invest wealth in people and in the future. See, We do not buy friends, but we can make friends for the Lord by the wise use of money. Will people welcome you to heaven because your stewardship made it possible for them to hear the gospel and be saved? It was uh, John Wesley who said, Make all you can, save all you can, give all you can. And there is another quote that says, Money is a wonderful servant, a terrible master, and an abominable God. We'll learn as we continue reading on here in the book of Luke that we can try to serve God and money. The Pharisees tried it, but it really cannot be done. How can you serve both righteousness and unrighteousness? What is greatest and what is least? What God honors and what He abominates? The world measures people by how much they get, but God measures them by how much they give. And with that... Let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. April 13th, Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 18. Jesus told this story to his disciples. A rich man hired a manager to handle his affairs. But soon a rumor went around that the manager was thoroughly dishonest. So his employer called him in and said, What's this I hear about your stealing from me? Get your report in order, because you are going to be dismissed. The manager thought to himself, Now what? I'm through here, and I don't have the strength to go out and dig ditches, and I'm too proud to beg. I know just the thing, and then I'll have plenty of friends to take care of me when I leave. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, How much do you owe him? the man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, tear up that bill and write another one for 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer? he asked the next man. A thousand bushels of wheat was the reply. Here, the manager said, take your bill and replace it with one for only 800 bushels. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal who being so shrewd. And it is true that the citizens of this world are more shrewd than the godly are. I tell you, use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. In this way, your generosity stores up a reward for you in heaven. Unless you are faithful in small matters, you won't be faithful in large ones. If you cheat even a little, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's money, why should you be trusted with money of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees, who dearly loved their money, Naturally scoffed at all this. Then he said to them, "You like to look good in public, but God knows your evil hearts. What this world honors is an abomination in the sight of God. Until John the Baptist began to preach, the laws of Moses and the messages of the prophets were your guides. But now the good news of the kingdom of God is preached, and eager multitudes are forcing their way in." But that doesn't mean that the law has lost its force in even the smallest point. It is stronger and more permanent than heaven and earth. Anyone who divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Today we're reading in Psalm 82. We'll read about the throne in heaven The Lord stands as judge and indicts the human judges for their failure to defend the poor and needy and condemn the wicked. Their partiality made a farce out of the legal system that God ordained for Israel. Now what does He think of our judicial system today? What do you think God thinks of it? We'll learn about the foundations of the earth as we read here in Psalm 82. The foundations for peace and order in society are righteousness and justice, whether in the home a church, or government. Abandoning righteousness and justice makes the very foundations tremble and brings darkness where there should be light. And we'll learn about the graves under the earth. The human judges are called gods because the Hebrew word Elohim means mighty ones. It's also uh, one of the names for God, by the way. Leadership is a serious thing, where leaders stand in the place of God and will one day answer to Him. The selfish judges may have their days of pleasure, but one day they will die. And then what? Well, the judges will be judged righteously by the judge of all the earth, and there will be no escape.
1: Understand how much it costs you to survive bad times. What they don't understand is that even when you are expecting something good to happen, it costs you something. That that, that hope costs you something. That expectation costs you something. It it, it takes something for you to stand uh, in a position of readiness, expecting good things to happen that don't. Uh, the Bible said that hope deferred, maketh the heart sick. And I thought that by now I would have been married. I had planned a wedding for my 20s and now I'm 42. The numbers have reversed and I'm I'm still by myself. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. I thought I would have my degree, but every time I get ready to go back after my degree, somebody something sets me back. And when you keep wanting something that keeps evading you, if you're not careful it will wear you down to wait for something anticipating it and it doesn't happen costs you more than somebody who wants nothing that's why we have so many people who fall into the abyss of wanting absolutely nothing because sometimes it is easier not to want anything than it is to want it and not get it I want you to understand then that while they were waiting on the bridegroom to come, they were burning oil. While nothing was happening, they were burning oil. You have to burn some oil to be able to wait. The Bible says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount upon wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You have to be tough to wait. You have to be tough to work all day and go to school at night. You have You have to be tough to take two part-time jobs and put them together and try to make it do you have to be tough. It may not have it, but I want it. I, I may not be there, but I want to. It may not be in my hand, but I'm snatching after it. I may not have apprehended, but I'm in the press. I may not climb the mountain, but I'll die with dirt in between my fingernail because I will never lay there and accept where I came from to be where I'm going. My history is not my destiny. That's why I don't care when you say you knew me when I don't care how many people knew me when Until you know me now You don't know anything at all My history is not my destiny You said it's late but I'm still waiting I'm older but I'm still waiting I've had setbacks But alas, alas Still waiting The art of waiting The art of waiting Everybody wants everything now, they won't wait the art of waiting. You're not going to bond together the first six months. You're not going to get the cleaving right even the first year. It takes some time for you to leave the historicity of your mother and father and cleave and become one flesh. You're going to go through some name changes. and You're going to go through some frustration because you're still leaving and cleaving and it's a process before your mother finally gets out of your head and your father finally gets out of your head and you start developing a new culture and a new philosophy that your kids one day will have to grow up and leave and cleave. The art of waiting. Jesus, as busy as he was, sat by the well all day waiting on one woman to come down to the well. He knew she would get there, and he waited. There are some men in this room. There are some men in this room who are waiting for you, sister, at the well. He's waiting. A waiting man is a man who hasn't given up. When a man waits, it just means that he hasn't given up. Brothers, there's a waiting woman waiting on you to grow up. If we take a skin graft and we take a piece of skin from here and we put it on a wound right here because we're all wounded, it takes a while. No matter how good the skin is, it takes a while for the skin to graft. If you're not willing to wait, you're going to mess the wound up and have to go back to the beginning and meet somebody new and start all over again, and you're going to end up at the same place. I know you don't believe it. I know you don't hear me. I know you think I'm stupid, but you are going to end up at the same place with the second wife that you ended up with the first wife. If you don't fix what's wrong with you, it is going to happen again. 50%, 64%, 74% is going to happen We happy now. You and her were happy at first. You're always happy at first. Why you think you get married? Everybody's happy at first. If your husband is waiting on you, if he's waiting on you, if he's fighting off the others. Are you making him wait longer than necessary because you're distracted into your own things and eventually what happens to men I I know men, I've I've been a man man all my life life. Uh, Uh. eventually he gives up on waiting and then you call him a dog but all of them we're not dogs at first And just got tired oh wait it's one thing to wait on somebody who's getting ready you know how you be waiting on your wife and she's getting ready and I don't mind waiting as long as it's coming what becomes difficult is when you're waiting and you see no change Because if I see you harrying, at least I know that you're conscious that you're making me wait. is putting me in a strain and the consciousness of it is encouraging. But when you act oblivious to it, pick up the pace. And you that are waiting, don't give up. You got too much invested. Too many tears, too many years, too many kids, too much time. The art of waiting.
0: Psalm 82, verses 1 through 8, a psalm of Asaph. God presides over heaven's court. He pronounces judgment on the judges. How long will you judges hand down unjust decisions? How long will you shower special favors on the wicked? Give fair judgment to the poor and the orphan. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and helpless. Deliver them from the grasp of evil people. But these oppressors know nothing. They are so ignorant. And because they are in darkness, the whole world is shaken to the core. I say, you are gods and children of the Most High. But in death, you are mere men. You will fall as any prince, for all must die. Rise up, O God, and judge the earth. For all the nations belong to you. Proverbs chapter 13, verses 2 and 3. Good people enjoy the positive results of their words, but those who are treacherous crave violence. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. A quick retort can ruin everything.